There is nothing that you ever can get done in life without facing that doesn't require you to face your fears. Every big thing, significant thing, long-standing thing, important thing in life you do, that you accomplish, which you do, but you need to face your fears. Facing the unknown, facing your inadequacies. Can I do it? Will I be able to measure up? Will I be able to follow through? Can I keep it up? Nothing great has ever been accomplished in life by anybody throughout time without first coming terms, coming face to face with your fears. Fears are a funny thing, a crazy thing. They can make you believe, they can make you disbelieve. They can make you shaken, they can make you stronger. You can jump out of a plane with fear and you can also run from fear. Fear motivates you to do the same thing. I mean, the same thing will motivate you to either fight it or flee from it. Very, very interesting. But for the most part, if you get scared or if you're fearful, the general tendency, mostly you and me in life, the general tendency isn't to tuck your tail between your legs and run in the other direction. That's not the general tendency. If I suddenly scare you, if I go boo right around the corner from the corridor, or if I, if I kind of bounce something off you or, or, or give you a sudden kind of a scare, whether it's a news or whether it's a sound or whatever, your first tendency is to be alarmed and the next tendency is to get angry with me. Fearful, I feel attacked, I feel exposed, I feel invaded, I feel shaken, and I am an angry. I'm constantly fearful, constantly angry. This one scared me from doing this, that one scared me, oh, I don't want to do that, oh, that is, oh I'm scared of crowds, oh, I'm, I, and you got all of these fears, and all of these situations, and associations, and phobias, that somehow render you justified to not move forward, get things done, and face your fears. God knows that our primary enemy is fears. There's two things we need, two things we want, two things we pay big money for. One is clear instructions, and number two is constant encouragement. Clear instructions and constant encouragement. Clear instructions is that secret to losing weight. So you have to read through the blog, read and read and read and read and read all the way. And look at and listen to the testimony. Everybody's saying, well, how amazing this thing is. Then you come to the end and you have to click the link. And when you click the link, you have to pay 39 pounds. Not dollars, not yen, not rupees, pounds. And you click that and that will tell you the secret to why you have been overweight for the last 400 years. Now, you need clear instructions because nowhere else is those clear instructions available. Only in that PDF, which is downloadable at the simple cost of 39 pounds. And you are going to pay for it because you want to know what's in that PDF. You want clear instructions. People are willing to pay big money for clear instructions. You want the manual, you want the training, you want the certification, you want clear instructions. The second thing you're willing to pay big money for is constant encouragement. Because even when you tell me how to do it, I told you how to do it, you know how to do it, why aren't you doing it? Because you need encouragement. You need someone to push you. And when they've pushed you all the way to just about doing it, you need them to push you a little bit more. Everything you have not accomplished in life is somebody else's fault, correct? I mean, if only they, and, in, and, and when they, and if only, and if for my mother, or my dad, or my 
whatever. Somebody is at fault because they didn't just give you that extra encouragement. Everything roots back to a discouragement, a fear, a phobia, something wasn't quite the way you wanted it, and we go through life. We're willing to pay big money for a trainer to help us. Whether it's a tutor, we're three months away from the boards, get a tutor. Because that tutor has the secret to your son or daughter's next 60 years success. That same fellow who's going and teaching the same thing to 60 other people and basically you're paying him to do the teacher's job, which is a secure job apparently. But we pay because we want that encouragement. What are we saying? Are we have to pay him to get after him. Not to teach him economics, but to get after him. We want that encouragement. We want two things we want in life. We want clear instructions and we constant, constant encouragement. God is going to talk to one of his champions. One of his champions in the scriptures, a guy named Joshua. He is second in command to Moses. Moses was, um, was chosen by God to lead and to deliver God's people out of bondage and into the promised land. It had been a long time of of disobedience, circles and circles of disobedience, and finally they wound up in, in uh, uh, what's that word? Exile. And they were in bondage and all of that. And God heard their cry. God wanted them to be delivered. God raised up a man out of nowhere, and this guy was Moses. Moses was then the man who came up through the ranks to save his people. Well, that's, that's wonderful. We got second guy in command is Joshua. Okay? So you got the five books of the the Bible, that there's the books of the law, Gen- Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You got the five books of the law. This is God's will for his nation. If he's going to have a nation that's separate, that's going to be an example, that's going to be uh, his people to, to bring the, the gospel to the rest of the world, then the good news to the rest of the world, salvation to the rest of the world, then this is how they ought to live. This is going to be the instruction book for their life. Then after that is the 12 books of history that talk about how they implemented this, this law. Are you with me? So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you got Joshua. And Joshua all the way to Esther is 12 books where they tell the, where they script, where they uh, give you the, the account of the history of this people group called the Israelites. Based on Israel, based on Jacob, based on all the way back to Abraham. Joshua, the book, connects the Pentateuch, the 12 books of the history. And then you've got Moses that is the primary character that's giving us the, the law. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. If you don't know about it, don't worry about it. And then the second in command is Joshua because Moses finished his life and he died. We'll talk about him too in just a bit. But this guy named Joshua, his name, is, uh, his name actually means Hoshea, which means salvation. You'll find that in Numbers chapter 13 verse 8. Hoshea, which means salvation. But Moses changed his name to Yehoshea, which means God is our salvation, or Jehovah is our salvation. So Joshua, not Shua, but Joshua, Yehoshua, is God is our salvation. So that his name <coughs> is that God is going to save us. So even when the task of saving the people and delivering them and getting them out of bondage and bringing them through into the promised land and fulfilling God's plan for them, even though that is what God is going to do, that name rests on him. Even though that's his name, he's not the one who's really doing it. God's the one who's really doing it. That's leadership, by the way. 
Anyone taking leadership notes? That's leadership, by the way. When God has got a plan and he's getting you to implement that plan, it's never about you. You live under that name, under that calling, under that commission. You live under that power, that empowerment, that commissioning. You live under their, that goal, that, that enablement. But it is not you. It's not about you. It's not for you. You are there to fulfill a task and you are part of a huge thing that God is doing. You're part of an overall. All right, so that's our Joshua. The word for Joshua in Greek, the Greek word for Joshua is Sus. Isa, Jesus, Jesus means God is our salvation. All right, so the book is entitled the book of Joshua and uh, his name is symbolic. <laughs> he is Joshua, the son of Nun, not a son of a Nun. The son of Nun, the, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Nun. Verse 1. So we get this amazing pep talk that God Almighty is going to have with Joshua, his servant. Joshua is about to take over the mantle of leadership from Moses, and Joshua says to Mo- God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. You and my people. Moses, my servant, is dead. You and my people. I don't want you to miss that. It's in verse 1 and 2. Moses, my servant, you and my people. How many my's? Moses, my servant, you, my people. How many my's? Which is the third? There you go. God's all about love and you and the relationship and what he wants to do for you. And God's been at it for a long period of time. Are you with me? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now Joshua, let's get to work. But when I stopped and I just stared at that verse for a little while, I looked at that phrase, it's my servant. Moses, my servant. I can't help but go back in the time to the story and to the feelings and to the relationship that God had with. What an incredible relationship. What an incredible relationship. Moses was known to be like a friend to God. He spent time, hours and hours with God. He sought God. Moses' heart, I'll tell you Moses' heart. He says, Moses, Moses says to God in Exodus 33, he says, if you don't go ahead of us, if you don't go with us, if you don't represent us and go before the nations, how will the nations know that we are your people? That we are called by your name? Then he goes on to say, if you're not going, God, with me, if you're not going ahead, I'm not going. If you're not going to lead my life, I'm not going. If you're not going to be, give me success, I'm not going. If you're not going to be the boss, if you're not going to show me where I'm going, if I don't hear clearly from you, I'm not moving. That's the, and God just loved that about Moses. God loved that about David. That they would cling on to God and say, until you move, I'm not going. Until I have your blessing, I'm not going. Another guy who said that was Jacob, later called Israel. (coughs) Jacob and Israel. So you got Moses saying, clinging on to God. I can't help but revisit that moment when God remembered the life of Moses. Moses, my servant. He was born in Pharaoh's palace, grew up for 40 years in amazing, plush luxury. 
as a prince. He walked about under the banner and the mantle of the authority of the king, the pharaoh, for 40 years. And then in all of his search for his identity, comes to that moment and says, no, I would rather stand with my people. I don't belong to this. I would rather stand with my people. And then he takes that value and integrity and he moves into being a fighter or a savior or a deliverer for the people of Israel who are under bondage. Next 40 years it takes for God to use him to actually deliver his people out of bondage. 80 years. That's a long walk. Are you with me? If God wanted to deliver them, first five years done, first three years done. Wow, that's amazing. Let's do a PowerPoint presentation. Let's make a movie. For God, it's not about making the movie. It's about the 80 years. It's about the long walk. It's about Moses, my servant. There's more in the my than the servant. And when the my becomes more precious, servant becomes more successful. Do you get it? Do you get it? When the my is more precious, the servant becomes more successful because God's all about the my more than the servant. Moses, my servant, is dead. So Josh, you're going to pick up the mantle here and you're going to do it. And I want to, I want to, I want to strengthen you now. I want to assure you, so I'm going to give you some promises. So go to verse 2, 3. Verse 3. <coughs> God says, I promise that I will 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, something like that. Okay, are you with me in verse 3 and 4? He says, I promise that I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot, just like I promised Moses. So what's happening here? My eyes went to that other phase. I always tend to go to that other phrase that, that God throws in there or the writers throw in there. I'm going to give you everywhere where your land, where your feet treads, right? And we all know this. We know the Old Testament prophets, wherever your foot treads, uh, that land will be given to you. Sounds awesome, right? But as I promised to Moses. So Joshua, listen, I had a thing going with Moses. Moses and I were on a plan. We were on a mission and we were doing this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you're going to finish what he did. And I'm going to finish what I started with him through you. And whatever I gave to him, whatever I promised to him, you're going to be a beneficiary of his faithfulness. You're going to be a beneficiary of the promises that I gave to Moses. You're going to remember it's not about you. But you are a beneficiary. You're always going to be a beneficiary. Grace is benefiting from someone else's goodness. And you're going, to re- you're going to see that. You're going to experience that. So every place where your foot treads, I'm going to give to you. Now God is promising to his people land space. Why should they have land? Identity, geography, place, security, where they could set up the temple, where the worlds the nations can come to know the salvation of God. Right? Got it. <coughs> Excuse me. So he says, I'm going to give to you everywhere that your foot will tread. In my head, when I read that, I'm thinking more. Everywhere your foot will tread is probably talking walking distance. <laughs> as far as you could walk to. Because they had no my makemytrip.com. They, hadn't, they didn't have like planes and just go to Africa and say, this is now mine. And then go to, go to Switzerland, this is now mine. It wasn't like that. So as, everywhere your foot will tread, meaning walking distance. As far as you can walk, I'm going to give it to you. Then he, land, he borders the, the land. He says all the way from the great river Euphrates, all the way through the Hittite country to the west of the Mediterranean. So he gives you a geographical boundary of this is where I'm going to give this land space to you. No one will be able to stand against you. Are you reading in the scriptures? 
First, he says, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a geographical identity, a national identity. I'm going to make you, give you real estate. And then he says, I'm, no one will be able to stand against. I'm going to give you security. No one will be able to, st- imagine starting your career off like that. Imagine if you're going to become a lawyer and God says, you're never going to lose a case. Like ever. That's cool. That would be a great place to start. Imagine if, you, if you're going to be a pilot and you say, you're never going to crash. Ever. As long as I can. So you get great confidence. Joshua got that start. Joshua got that start. And sometimes some leaders are born with absolutely everything. And with great Say it. With great <coughs> blessing comes great responsibility. So Joshua had some heavy stuff on his... I, I hope you're getting this. Here's a young guy. He's probably hitting around 30. Mid between 30 and 35 by now. And he is inheriting 600,000 people who, who have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They're tired. They're bored. And one generation is dying off because God (coughs) wanted the new generation to walk into the new town with the new leader. I'll explain why later. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. What an incredible promise. That's life success. But wait, wait, wait. It's not all. There's always a rider. There's always a rider. Because when God does something amazing for you, he gives you something amazing to do. When God something does something amazing for you, He gives you something amazing to do. So those promises have been given to you so that you can be free to fulfill what He has given to you. You're not a spoiled brat. I'm not a spoiled brat. Just take the promises and go live life as I please. Are you getting where I'm going with this? There is an unction. There is a responsibility. There is a there is a Mission and a commission for our lives for which God gives us this thing. So he says, no one will ever stand against you. Then he says, I will never leave you or nor forsake you. I will never, never leave your side. I will never let you be alone. I will never forsake you. Those are the promises that God gives to Joshua. Right there in verse 3 and verse 4 of Joshua chapter 1. Are these promises for you as well? Is whatever God's saying to Joshua the same for you as well? Answer, no. Why? Because you're not Joshua. You're not Joshua and even if your name is Joshua this morning, you're still not Joshua. So are those promises applicable to you? Answer, no. They're not applicable to you. But is it the same God? Yes. Is God giving the same command on your life? Not the same task, but the same command. Is it the same character that you're dealing with with regard to this God? Has God paralleled those promises anywhere else? Yes, he has. If God is for for me, who can be against me? For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of authority. He says that when you have put on the full full armor of faith, when you put on the full armor, stand. Stand your ground. Stand strong. Don't give up. I am with you. I will be with you till the last, till the end of the ages, I will be with you. In your day of reckoning, call me. When you are in trouble, call me. I I will answer you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Before the foundations of the earth, I called you by name. 
and I beckoned you as my own. With a long and loving arm, I have drawn you to myself. I could keep going. I could keep going. You know the promises of God. So he says, give every place your foot treads from the desert to Lebanon, etc., etc. No one will ever stand against you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Only be strong and courageous. How many of you know that as a familiar to you? Yeah, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. We love that. We learned it in Sunday school. We, 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 we put it up in placards. We put it on our home. But we don't put the complete verse. Because we don't know what to do with the rest of the verse. Be strong and courageous. Yeah. Lord, now what? We have no idea. What's the plan? Because the plan was there. Be strong and, and of good courage. Why? For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. That's the whole verse. That's the verse. Now the be bold and be courageous is making some sense. Be bold. Let's do that again. Be strong and be courageous. Why? For to this people, the 600,000 standing behind you, for this people... You will divide their inheritance as, an, as of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them, to their forefathers, to their ancestors. I gave them a promise that I will give them land. Each of the tribes are going to get land and you are going to go divide that. That's going to be a task. <laughs> that is going to be a task. You got 600 people, 600,000 people. You're going to move them into the land and then you're going to divide the land and that's the book of Joshua. That's his task. He does that and dies. That's it. That's the task. And for that, God is saying, be bold and be strong. So you're smart people. You're figuring, that just sounds like a calculator job. Yeah? I mean, just, we just have to like mark it out and you go here and you go there. Really? Really? First of all, stiff neck people. That's a nice phrase there. Yeah. Then you've got people that you've got to fight to get that land. It's not, you're not going to wake up in the morning and say, oh, it's mine. Look, my signature is on the power of attorney. No, no. You're going to have to go get what I've promised to give you. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? You're going to have to go get what I promised to give you. And in life, half of what you have not gotten is because you feared something. Because you were afraid of something. Because you didn't match up to something. Because you thought you were not good enough for something. Joshua, you're going to do this. Be bold and be courageous. Be bold and be courageous. I can tell you the whys. Because I have a plan, because I will be with you, because I'm going to make it work, because I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those are the whys. But the what is, you're going to do this job. You're going to make it happen. And I want you to leave with that understanding. Why? Why does God want Joshua to succeed? Because God made a promise to his forefathers. Why does God want you to succeed? Because God made a promise to his son. Why does God want you to succeed? Because God made a promise to his son. That he will elevate his son. He will glorify his son. And that all who come to him will be no wise caster. That he will make everyone who comes to him like himself. And that he will make him the first and foremost of everything that has ever been. Because of Jesus' humble act of sacrifice. Of going to the depths and going to the, 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 the distance of the cross. Even to die the death of a criminal. God so highly exalted in that his name. Every knee will bow. And one day is coming when everyone will know who he is. You won't have to convince anybody about it. And in that day, God is going to reward Jesus. Jesus for what he did for you and you are part of that plan therefore you are successful 
Not because of your prayer life or your sinful life. You are successful. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are successful. You are graced, enabled. You are backed up by the angels in heaven. And God has an innate interest in your success. Not because of you, but because of his promise to his son. We all sit on the shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of giants to my forefathers. We are part of the promises that God had made across generations. We are beneficiaries of God's word. We are, we are beneficiaries of God's promises of his faithfulness. But you got to be strong. you got to be bold. Look at verse 7. Again, be bold and be strong. What is my part, Lord? What is your will for my life? Well, be bold and be strong. But what do you want me to do? I'll tell you that. But first of all, be bold and be strong. Your biggest problem in life is not not knowing the plan. (laughs) Your biggest problem in life is, is fearing failure. It's fearing other people. Fearing embarrassment. Fearing, trusting God when there is a career counselor telling you, Naini, actually you're a better, you'll be make a better CA. No, I feel God is calling me. No, no, no. That's stupid. Don't listen to all these religious things. You don't get career counseling from a Bible. You get career counseling from the textbooks, which changes every two years. You don't hear the voice of God. You hear the voice of everyone around you. That's what leads you. That's what guides you. Come on, get with the program. Be bold and be strong. Why? Because the enemies are weird enemies. I mean, if it was a nice, strong, solid guy who would come and stand in front of you with you know, a pellet gun or something like that, you say, okay, I can take him on. But when it's your own fears from within, then what do you do? When it's your height, I'm too short, then what do you do? When it's your strength, I'm too weak, then what do you do? When it's your education, oh, I don't know, I, I, I'm new to this, then what do you do? Don't be afraid. Be bold, be courageous. Because everything else is sorted You need to see yourself as one who is worthy of God's call on your life. Okay, so Joshua, he's going to tell him four or five things. If you feel like taking notes, take notes. But I'd rather your heart just sits back and listens to to the voice of God. He says, only be strong, be strong. Number one, be strong and be very courageous. Number two, he says, be careful, be careful to obey the law. Do you see that verse? What verse is that? Verse 7? Be careful to obey the law. Why? Listen very carefully. Because life is not a feel good, feel it out, work it out, explore it, adventure. Life is a calling. Life is a commission. Life is a plan. Life is a command. Life is a test. Is a test. It's, a, it's a temporary assignment. Life is a call from God. He called your name before the foundation of the earth for you to say, yes, Lord, I am willing. I'm available. Tell me what needs to be done. My 60, 70, 80 years, I want to live it fulfilling your plan, which pans generations and has eternal impact. Rather than a life and relationships and a vocation which is gone and forgotten three years after I'm dead. Sometimes even before I'm dead. God, I want your plan for my life. What God is saying here is, I want you to be careful, Joshua. Careful about what, sir? Careful to do everything that is in the command of the law. Why? I'm not the religious type, you know. No, it's because 
your life is under command. Your life is under command. You don't go to a soldier and watch a soldier just do his own little thing, plan his weekends, enjoy his life, go visit relatives. He is under command. The moment his uh, commander-in-chief says, this is the plan, everybody gets up, salutes, and the job gets done. Life was not meant to just wander through this globe to figure out how best you could enjoy yourself. That's called idolatry because your body basically then tells you from morning till night what your life should be about. I want, I want, I feel, I feel, I want, I want, I feel, I feel. Only be strong and number two, be careful to obey the law. Why? Why? Because If you are a child of God, a servant of God, if you have God's purposes ruling your life, then there is a super command. There is a super command over your life and your life is under command. It is under command. Joshua, be careful to obey all the law. My servant gave you. My servant. There's something in your life that has to transcend your opinions and your preferences and your feelings and your relatives and your auntie's opinion and your, your country and your laws and your body and your heart. There's got to be something greater, bigger that supersedes all of that. Are you with me? A person, a child of God, someone who's living by the purposes of God has a command that comes from heaven and that command dictates, which is why you open the word and you are careful to go through everything. I'm a big fan of MasterChef. I watch MasterChef like business people watch, walk, watch stocks and bonds. I watch MasterChef. And one of the biggest lessons you learn, and when you're yelling at the person because they're a stupid cook, is they don't read the recipe. And the longer the recipe, the more carefully you must read it. But the recipe is not just ingredients, it's steps. And at the end of it, if you want it to come out right, you need to follow the recipe. Why should you follow the recipe? Because somebody else wrote it. And they wrote it after doing that dish at least 90 times. And having gotten it perfect, they then wrote it down for you to get it right the first time. Do you get it? You got one shot, my brothers and sisters and friends. You got one shot at life. And you want to work your way through it? You want to try? You want to like explore? Check it out? You'll be 45 before you know it. You'll be 65 before you know it. And you have more regrets than anything else. God on day one says, here's a blueprint for your life. So instead of wasting time, on what you should do, who you should trust, whether you should be spiritual or religious, all of that. Say, God designed my life. He's proprietor of my being and the very air in my lungs right now. He has a plan for my life. My life is under commission. Joshua, be careful to do exactly what you say. Why? Because then you will be successful. God is either lying or he's telling the whole truth. He's either lying or he's telling the whole truth. And I'm telling you, God is worthy of your obedience. Be strong. Number two, be careful. My servant Moses gave you these commands. Be careful to obey all that my servant Moses gave you. Again, my servant Moses. He's my servant. I gave the law to him. And I want you to obey what he says. I want you to do as he says. 
because I authorized him and you will do as he says. My servant Moses. Number two, do not, do be careful about the law. How do you be careful with the law? Do not turn to the right or to the left. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Do you see that? What does that mean? It means focus. It means focus. It means avoid distractions. It means there's a discipline to this life of following God. This life of following God is not a religious experience. It is not a mystical experience. It's not an emotional experience. It's not, it's not like how you, a better way to get through and cope with the measures of life. It is a command from heaven to accomplish something far greater than this life. It is about focus, it is about discipline. There is a job to be done. There are rewards to be won. There's a lot at stake here. It's not just one tingling worship experience that leaves you feeling good about yourself. This life that God has called you to live is a called life, a command life. Why? So that you may be successful wherever you go. I want you to note something in verse 7, then note something in verse 9. So that you may be successful where? That is geography. Wherever you go. Because these principles will work here, they'll work in Germany, they'll work in Australia, they'll work anywhere you go. Because wherever you go on this globe, you're still living your life and I'm going to be with you. And I will give you success. Wherever you go, you will see success. Number one, be strong. Number two, be careful. Why? So that you may be successful. Number three, verse eight, be obedient. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep this book of the law always on your shelves. What's it say? Keep this book of the law always on your that's going to look funny isn't it the book on your what's he saying he's saying if you can't rattle it off the top the tip of your tongue you don't know it he's saying if you can't rattle it off the tip of your tongue you don't know it there are situations where you can take the manual with you there are situations where you can open and search and you can search and search and look for the, ah, that's it, okay. Put the A on the B, you could do that. But if you're flying a plane, which is doing life, in the moment when your child needs wisdom from God, in the moment when you're dealing with your husband or your wife, in the moment when you're resolving or reconciling conflict, in the moment when you need to know whether to shout back or to hold back, in that moment, you can't take out the ring binder and check at that moment. At that moment, the law of the Lord needs to be on your lips. You need to be able to say, this is what God wants me to do right now. This is what I'm going to do right now. If you don't know God's word, if it's not on your lips, it's not in your heart. If it's not in your heart, it's not in your head. If it's not in your head, of no use. You will not be successful and not be prosperous wherever you go. Not by God's standards. What God wants you to do is be obedient. How? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Who's he talking to? Joshua. Why? Because Joshua has a job to do. Why? Because God wants to save his people. Why? Because God promised his servant. Are you with me? God has a vested interest in your success. Not because you're cute, but because his name is at stake and God has a plan. God has a plan. He's welcomed you into that plan. So he says in verse 8, be obedient. Meditate on it day and night. What does meditate mean? Keep going over it so that you remember every part of it. 
Keep going over it. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written on it. So if it's in your lips, then you will also do it. It'll be in your steps. If it's in your lips, on your lips, it'll be in your steps. If it's not on your lips, it's not going to be on your steps. Many of you find yourselves in situations of temptation, in situations of choices, where you don't do the will of God, and you walk away guilty. Oh, I didn't do the will of God. You know why you didn't? Because the word was not in you, and it didn't give you the strength to obey. And you walk away feeling, I, I, I didn't know. I, yeah, you don't know. You're ignorant, and you're, a, you're living your life not under the command of God. You're not under command. You're not under command. You're a wanderer in life, but you're not a soldier under command. A soldier always knows his command. That's what he wants. That's what God wants. He says, then you will be prosperous and successful. Again, he says in verse 9, two don'ts. The first one was be strong. Then you got be careful. Then he says, be obedient. But then there's two don'ts. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. When are you afraid? When you're caught off guard and you're suddenly alone and you don't have backup. Got it? That's when you're afraid. When are you dismayed? When you suddenly can't see and you don't know what's going on. Why should you not be afraid and not be dismayed? Because I am the Lord, am with you. You can't see, I can see. You're alone, I'm, not, I'm there with you. I'm right. You don't know what to do, I know what to do. You don't understand what's going on, I understand what's going on. Are you getting it? Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. Why? Not because your fear is invalid. Not because your enemy is a joke. But because I am with you. I am with you. You start exercising that kind of faith and God will go to town to try and prove his presence in your life. So let's close. Verse 10 says, Joshua gets up, yes sir, and he goes and he does the job. Joshua gets up, he says, yes sir, and he goes and he does the job. Joshua, verse 10, go through the camp, he says to his officers, tell all the people. I really like this moment. It's a very interesting moment. I've, I'm a leader, I've been a leader for many years, and uh, Joshua was an amazing leader. And as I think about him, that moment, I, I, know, I know how it feels like, because he comes out of God's presence, and he has no clue what the plan is. Take 600,000 people, cross the river, and go into a land that is already inhabited by other places, and just take it. Oh, that's all. It's like ordering KFC. He has no idea. What does he know? What does he know? He tells the people. He says, go through the camp, tell all the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross, you will cross the Jordan from here, this spot, from here, from here. Why? To go into the land, that's where we're going, that God, that God is giving you to be your own land. But it's not ours. I, how can I go? It's not, God has given it to you. But, but somebody already, but God has given it to you. Where? Here. And Joshua gets up from God's command. He takes three instructions. Tell the people, get your provisions, get ready in three days. But Josh, uh, how, how are you planning to do this, uh, this Jordan crossing? I have no idea. But Josh, there's, there's about several nations who are there and we need to displace those. I have no idea. 
And that is leadership, that's spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership is knowing that God knows. Spiritual leadership is building your, prom- your strength and your complete confidence on the promises of God. That if God says step one, step two, step three is all I'm giving you for today, step one, step two, step three is all you do today. But we are like, no, I'd like step four and five, a little more, more perspective, so I can add my opinion to the matter. And we can talk about this. That's why, you know, when people say, let's pray about it. Even when I tell people, you know, can you just, this is for the church, I'll pray about it. <laughs> they don't know how that feels in a normal conversation. If, if you told me, Okay, Rotash, you told me. I said, I said to you, can, can, uh, I, Rotash, I want you to come early next Sunday, one hour earlier, and put out all the chairs, and, uh, and uh, I get the whole place ready. I'll come with you, and we'll work on that together. It's just the two of us, so we need to put out all the chairs next Sunday, one hour and one And you turn to me and says, um, sure, Pastor, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wait, let me repeat myself. No talk about it. There's no talk about it. That's, that's the situation over here. And I love the fact that Joshua just did step one, step two, step three. Spiritual leadership is knowing that I'm not the leader here. My name is Joshua, but he is the deliverer. Are you with me? And he says, we're going. I tell you, we're going. He didn't tell me how. I'm not going to tell you how. And the credibility of calling and leading people in spiritual leadership comes from the assurance that the people get that the leader is listening to God. And he has a track record of listening to God. Are you with me? So he says three days and you go. Spiritual leadership is about encourage, educate, and execute. Encourage, educate, and execute. Instruct, inspire, and implement. Get the job done. If I've told you three steps, do three steps. Why? Let me close with this. Why? Why is this so important? Why is this amazing? Why is spiritual leadership out of this world? Because it's out of this world. It is a heaven and an earth venture. It is partly seen and partly unseen. There's God and man in a partnership together. It's hearing and believing. It is declaring and rejoicing. It is trusting and seeing. It's revelation and one step at a time, walking the journey, expecting success. That's the call of spiritual leadership. It's a partnership where you can't see how God and where God is leading, but you hear, you hear his voice clearly. What, do you should, what should you take away from this? You can't see where God is leading you. You can't see half of what's going on with God's leadership in your life, but you hear his voice and you move forward in faith. You hear his voice and you move forward in faith. faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, do not fear. I am with you. I have called you by name. I am your redeemer. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even if your mother and father forsake you, I will never forsake you. I will love my spirit that he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you my strength. I will go ahead of you. I will honor you. These are promises to you in the New Testament. 
Is there any fear in your heart, in your life, that might keep you from accomplishing your goals, accomplishing God's work in your life? Is there anything that you feel God wants you to do or wants you to be, but you're not able to do that because you are crippled by some inadequacy or some fear? Ask God right now, Lord, set me free from that. Even if it's guilt, set me free from that. God, I feel so insecure that I'm constantly angry with everybody around me. I'm constantly angry with people around me because they make me feel insecure. I hate it when they do this. I hate it when they say this because they make me feel insecure. And then I respond in ways that leave me with regret. And now I'm feeling more guilty and I'm feeling more angry. And now I hate myself for being like that. It's just a mess, Lord. I want to be strong. I want to be bold. I want to be courageous. I want to be strong. I want to be bold. I want to be courageous. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and praise you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Dear God, Lord, as we come before you, may we praise you, Lord, not only with our lips, but with our whole being, Lord. Father God, Lord, help us to leave everything aside, Lord, and come before you. You are mighty, Lord. You deserve all our praise and worship, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to praise you, Lord.
of commitment and of conviction in this place. There are people who are struggling whether to believe in you or not, whether to trust your word or not. There are people who are struggling with change of convictions, change of faith, change of, of priorities. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, would you pronounce your power here to this, this, this morning? Here this morning, would you pronounce, would you speak power, would you speak enablement and, and, and grace over their lives? Make them able to do the things they have not been able to do. Father God, this morning we want to pray for our nation, the nation of India. We love India. We are dedicated to India. We want to, be, we want to see your grace spread right throughout this nation. We want to know that you are helping every single person in governance, in service, in administration. We pray for those who sit around tables making decisions on the lives of our people. We pray, O oh God, that they would get your wisdom and your understanding to know the will of God, that justice and mercy would prevail, that there would be mercy in the courts of law and there would be justice, O oh God, in the courts of law. I pray that in government offices, in chief minister's offices, in MLA's offices, I pray that there would be a visible and a experiential sign of your presence. I pray that there would be a witness of your word so that the, your will is done for this nation. Protect the, the, the downtrodden. Protect the girl child in our country. Protect the, the women in our country, oh God. Those who are well-dressed and are walking about the streets of urban towns. Also those who are all alone and without a husband or a family or without protection and in, 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 in shelters, in home shelters or in the village or in the fields protect them protect the women in our country oh god give men a deep sense and understanding of their masculine protective provision uh, identity that you have given to men that they would know deep in their heart that they will stand accountable to you oh god for the things that they think for the things that they do oh god i pray that the fear of god would sweep across this nation 
We are a nation that thinks we are God-fearing, but we are not. Everything about us, everything, the way we do our life, the way we value life, the way we value new birth, the way we value uh, old, old age, oh God, it shows that we don't really fear God, at least not the God of heaven. And I pray, oh God, that that fear would sweep across this nation. I pray for governance, Lord, chief ministers, prime minister, and all, the, all those whom you have given in the very palm of their hand, in their pen, the authority to make decisions for people's lives. I pray that you would instruct them. I pray that you would bring counselors by their side. I pray that you would bring advisors into their court so that they would hear the option, the contrast of the wisdom of God. They would hear what God might want for this country, for their situation, for their constituency. Lord, I pray for them. I pray, oh God, for those who are without work, many men who are without work in our country, especially in our city. Right here in the city, there are 17 lakh, 1.7 million people who are under the poverty line of God. In the name of Jesus, would you show us what you want us to do? We are not here to sit on cushion, cushion seats. We are here to serve the nation. We are here to serve our city. Would you show us what we're supposed to do? How do we network? How do we get time out from our lives and from our jobs and from our marriages and from our careers? How can we take time out? How can we make your work a priority? How can we get your heart to rule our lives? Lord God, would you bring the people who already know how to do that to show the rest of us how it can be done? Would you open our minds to the ideas and the possibilities of how a church can come alongside a government and help rule this nation, not in governance, but in service, in service. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Can the church be any less? Can the church do anything less? Oh God, would you release a power of anointing on our church, on this generation of your people here in this country? Would you release an anointing of, of vision and of revelation of what you would have us do? We're not looking for a worship experience, Lord God. We'll have that in heaven forever. We're looking for a service experience of how to get down on our knees and serve people. Jesus did that for three years. We want to do it for our whole life, oh God. And we want to be like Jesus so that they would come to Jesus so that they can have the worship that they have been longing for because they were designed for that. Lord, would you set us free to do that? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you release people? Release them from their jobs, from their busyness? from their laziness, set us free from our addictions and from our patterns of coping. Set us free, O oh God. Let Celebrate Recovery be the heart and soul of our church so that people who are hurting, people who are hungry, people who are struggling with emotional conflicts, who are weighed down with stress, in the name of Jesus, they would be healed. Because there is healing in the name of Jesus, but then it's not happening. We ask you that it happens. In the name of Jesus, they would be healed. That here in this oasis of, of, of love, here in this oasis of your community, there would be freedom from oppression. There would be de-addiction. There would be salvation. There would be breaking of bondages. There would be repara reparation of marriages. There would be reconciliation of relationships. There would be renewal of faith. And everything I just prayed is well within your will. Do it, O oh God. Do it, Father. Not because we are worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. And because you promised your son all the glory and because you promised him that your ch that his church would glorify him and that his church would 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 reflect his beauty here on earth use us oh god use us savior come thou font of every blessing 
tune our hearts to sing your praise. Shelter, time. 
our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore.